Hello, this is Jeff Windsor, and this is Lucky Words, a podcast where we talk about culture, art, and a good deal of poetry, ideally all while we're outdoors doing something cool. down by Utah Lake right now. It's uh, in the lower mid-50s and the sun is out and it's gorgeous. There's about a hundred bajillion starlings in the trees around me and amphibians that I can't identify and I can hear red-winged blackbirds and oh it's just perfect out here. This is a fairly busy trail and I'm right by a state park where there's a bunch of trailers and I can see a kid on a bike a couple of tents set up off to the other side open fields a couple of old barns some horses this is what springtime ought to feel like but still up in the mountains it's just thick with snow a poem for today I am right near the Provo Airport, which is why you might hear airplanes in the background. This one right now, it looks like it just took off. Poem today by Mark Gibbon, My Life as a Capitalist. My life as a capitalist has been an abject failure. As evidence, consider the living room of this rental I've lived in for the last 20 years. This chair I sit in and the area rug beneath me were gifted by our friends Bob and Cheryl. The two wooden tables holding second-hand lamps and donated plants belong to our grandmothers. The hide-a-bed sofa I inherited from my mom along with the TV trays we use as end tables. Another straight-back chair and the handmade entertainment center I picked up at my old job as a furniture mover, where I found the legless entryway table my brother rebuilt for me. Our used Samsung flat-screen TV was shipped to us by friends in Alaska. The boombox was donated by my buddy Bert to fill the silence of the departed one. The art on the walls, given to us. The only thing in this room we purchased brand new is the now shredded cat tree, which has evolved into a scratched postmodern work of frayed fiber art. If everyone in America lived like me, there would be no throwaway society slash economy. And now that we find ourselves crowding at the end of the line, to consider that this is all we have. Our accumulated wealth seems comical in the way that everything has seemed comical to me, the absurdity of this material trip. It almost appears as if it were focused effort 
to have bought so little and scrounged so much. Honestly, I just didn't pay attention. And obviously, I don't care. Never did. So, this is the inevitable result. What's left of the hand-me-down kid. One angel on the right moans, embarrassed, holding and shaking its head while the little devil on the left sorts through the pile of freebies from the recently dead. You might notice this poem hardly sounds like a poem. It has a very conversational tone, no immediately identifiable rhythm, meter, there's no rhyme to it. It just feels like some guy talking. And this is part of the way that Mark Gibbons writes. Gibbons is the poet laureate of Montana right now. He lives in Missoula, and I heard of him from another Montana poet called Chris Latre. All right, going off trail now. But Gibbons describes his, trans, his transformation into a poet as when he took a class and somebody gave him permission to write in his own voice. And so he started and just kind of hasn't quit. He writes the way that feels right to him, which is a very conversational tone. But part of what makes his poetry poetry is not the formal aspects, but what's going on with the thinking behind it, what he's communicating in it. Notice how in the poem he gets down into the, the nitty-gritty with the details, where different things came from, the area rug that came from Bob and Cheryl, the fact that they use their TV trays as end tables, or that it's a Samsung flat-screen TV. Or that the boombox that they have is a replacement for an old broken one. This kind of detail gives it a, a weight, and gives it an immediacy, and gives it a, a reality that is hard to obtain any other way. It also feels very grounded in the, the here and the now, the present that I live in. I can picture his house. I can relate to his house. And so reading this work by Gibbons draws me into it, makes me feel like I am in a, in a small, tight, intimate circle with him. And then in that intimate circle, once he's brought me in, then he he invites me to think about the stuff that, that I own, the stories behind my particular uh, possessions, and also how I feel about them and what they say about me. The title of this poem is My Life as a Capitalist. And notice he says, has been an abject failure, as evidence, consider, and then he goes in and makes the list. When he generalizes then, 
and says, if everyone in America lived like me, because I have been involved in this and because I am now implicated or participate in his life as a capitalist becomes related to my life as a capitalist that I am personally invested and now I kind of have to as one who is the audience of this poem I have to respond I might respond ooh buddy I might respond saying, yeah, Mark, absolutely. Or I might respond by saying, oh, come on, get a job, you hippie poet. But I have to respond. Oh, I have walked out onto this bed of reeds that I now realize uh, not very stable. Okay. Where I've walked out to is right where the Provo River enters into Utah Lake. And it's interesting, as I look at it right here, there's distinct colors. The darker color from the river that's flowing in, and this lighter color from the silt in the, uh, in the lake around it. And there's just a line drawn in the water as if there were a giant shadow, but there is no shadow. There's no trees around me that could cast a shadow like this, and there's no clouds in the sky. But I am going to get to where there's actual dirt beneath me. Okay. Back to Gibbon's poem. From what I read yesterday, which was John Donne's poem, about Good Friday, that very formal, uh, he's got a formal stance as he writes. He's writing about Jesus and he's writing about deep religious convictions. And even though it's very personal, it is very 17th century, which is appropriate for Dunn since that's when he lived. But what we have in Gibbon's poetry is very 21st century. This is a poem for people today. One of my objects with Lucky Words is to get people thinking about poetry and to encounter different types of poetry. And sometimes people will say, well, no, it's the, it's the real poetry that I don't like. That Gibbon's poetry is just as real as John Donne's and can speak just as powerfully. The work that we have to do with a poet like John Donne is to think hard about how he's doing, you know, how he is, is dealing with the, uh, with the forms. We can look at his rhyme, we can look at his meter, Okay, I got myself stuck again. That's why trails are good. All right. 
John Donna's work because there is a foreignness to it, because he doesn't write in a way that anybody talks. This is true of most of what people think of as poetry. But the work that we do with Gibbons and with other conversational contemporary poets is still work, but it's a different kind of work. We need to sit with the conversational language long enough that we can see what he is deliberately and intentionally doing with it. It feels dashed off, but the fact is, I'm confident that he spent much time trying hard to pick exactly the right words to communicate exactly what he wants to communicate. And while it might be quote-unquote easy, that doesn't make it any less serious. And so we, as readers or listeners, as an audience for poetry, part of what we need to do is to give a poet like Gibbons full due and respect and to think about him just as much and just as hard as we think about older, more formal poets. Now, someday Mark Gibbons might actually listen to this, which frankly would be a treat. And perhaps he'll take umbrage at what I'm saying about uh, his conversational tone or seriousness as a poet. That's possible. But I hold to the fact that poetry is important and poetry is good and poetry, all poetry, deserves our attention. I should mention that unless Gibbons or his publisher reaches out to me and tells me to cut it out, the text for this poem is available in the show notes, also at my website, luckywords.net. Look at the last part of the poem. He says, so this is the inevitable result. What's left of the hand-me-down kid. One angel on the right moans embarrassed, holding and shaking its head while the little devil on the left sorts through the pile of freebies from the recently dead. Think for a minute about the angel and the devil. Who's the virtuous one? The virtuous one is is embarrassed by his hand-me-downs, but it's the devil that sorts through the freebies. In what world is the angel the consumerist one and the devil the one that is the reduce, reuse, recycle? The world in which that happens is the consumerist world. You might say that's the world that we live in as citizens of the United States of America, and you wouldn't be wrong. But what's Gibbons actually saying? His life as a capitalist is an abject failure. And yet, that's the, the devil, and he's kind of proud of it. You can tell. He is not bemoaning his fate. He's not complaining. He's not wishing that he had taken a more lucrative approach to his life. 
That list at the beginning is a list he's proud of. And so when it's the devil, what does that make Gibbons? There is a, a bit of a smile I feel in this. There is a, a joyful subversion. His life as a capitalist is a failure and he loves it that way. And who in their right mind thinks that a throwaway economy slash society is a good thing? None of us do. So who is the angel and who is the devil? Suddenly this poem that feels like a bit of throwaway conversationality has us questioning the role of money and society, virtue, what the market would tell us is right versus what we, we feel is right. With all that in mind, let's consider now one more time Mark Gibbons, My Life as a Capitalist. My life as a capitalist has been an abject failure. As evidence, consider the living room of this rental I've lived in for the last 20 years. The chair I sit in and the area rug beneath me were gifted by our friends, Bob and Cheryl. The two wooden tables holding secondhand lamps and donated plants belong to our grandmothers. The hide-a-bed sofa I inherited from my mom, along with TV trays we use for end tables. Another straight-back chair and the handmade entertainment center I picked up at my old job as a furniture mover, where I found the legless entryway table my brother rebuilt for me. Our used Samsung flat-screen TV was shipped to us by friends in Alaska. The boombox was donated by my buddy Bert to fill the silence of the departed one. The art on the walls, given to us. The only thing in this room we purchased brand new is the now shredded cat tree, which evolved into a scratched postmodern work of frayed fiber art. If everyone in America lived like me, there would be no throwaway society slash economy. And now that we find ourselves crowding at the end of the line, to consider that this is all we have, our accumulated wealth seems comical in the way that everything has seemed comical to me, the absurdity of this material trip. It almost appears as if it were a focused effort to have bought so little and scrounged so much. Honestly, I just didn't pay attention, and obviously I don't care, never did. So this is the inevitable result, what's left of the hand-me-down kid. One angel on the right moans, embarrassed, holding and shaking its head, while the little devil on the left sorts through the pile of freebies from the recently dead.